TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to the latest edition, a Monday edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. A big-time sweep by the East Carolina Baseball Pirates. We will recap that. We also have ECU legendary quarterback great Shane Carden set to join us later in the program around 20 minutes from now. But first, we're talking baseball, and I'm joined in studio by Philip Pilkington. I'm Stephen Igo, and Philip, great weekend for the Pirates as they sweep Cincinnati. They needed it, and they got it. Yeah, they really needed it, especially with it being on the road. This team struggled so much on the road, and we kind of talked about it last week. They're probably going to have to go on the road in order to make it to Omaha this year because I don't see us being a national seed. So big that they proved to themselves that they can win on the road. Yeah, we talked about it. If ECU wants to find a way back into the hosting picture, they need to go out win some road games. They Entered the weekend five and nine in road contests and found a way to sweep the series. And all of a sudden, you're eight and nine. You're back to around 500. And we'll talk more later in the program about kind of where ECU sits in the RPI, where they sit in the host discussion, where they sit in the conference championship race. A bit of a big decision in Houston as the Wichita State and Houston game was canceled outright and will not be made up. We'll talk about what that means as ECU currently trails Houston by a half game in the league standings. We got your comments on Twitter. We're going to get to here shortly. I asked for everybody's biggest impressions coming off the ECU weekend sweep of Cincinnati. We are live as always on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. If you guys want to leave a comment there as we get this discussion rolling, we'll read it on the air as we continue through this program. If you want to call in, 252-561-8255 and give your live comments here as we host this show over the next hour, you can do that again, 252-561-8255 as we break down the ECU sweep of Cincinnati, the first road series win of the season, Philip, It's hard to believe. Haven't really been that many opportunities. This was only the third true weekend series because you look at it, they lost the series at Houston. They lost the series at Wichita. This was our third try, but they got it done. And we'll get into the comments here shortly. But I wanted to give our quick takes on kind of what stood out most this past weekend. And for me, I got to start with, with the relief performance yesterday of Wyatt. Wyatt Luntz for Shinkman. Without him, I don't think you have a shot at winning the game. He changed the momentum. He kept ECU in it. From an individual player perspective, it was his only time pitching this weekend. Uh, but to go five innings, not allowing a single base runner, needing just 40 pitches, he was he was phenomenal. He was, and you could see how the offense fed off of that, you know, with, with tying the game there in the eighth and obviously taking the lead in the tenth. There was just, it seemed like new energy from the team once uh, Shink took the mound. Yeah, he was phenomenal. And any individual standout from you or any really key aspects of the series as the Pirates got the uh, the three-game sweep? I liked that, you know, we talked last week about how we don't have many guys who can really hit the ball a long way. We're more of a contact-hitting team. And we played in a field that I think placed our advantage, 400 to center, 370 the power alleys. We hit four triples on the weekend. And we really used our speed on the bases to get extra bases and put ourselves in positions to score runs and score runs early in games, especially in that Friday contest. So I really liked our plate approach, and I really liked how we used that deeper part, deeper park to our advantage. ECU now 34 and 14 on the season, 12 and 6 in the American. 
up to 22nd in the RPI. They were laboring around the mid-30s RPI after they lost North Carolina. So a huge jump just over the three games. We talk about how much the road wins mean towards that. All right, let's get to some of the comments. We, we got a lot of them on Twitter. How we're going to do this is I'll get Philip to read uh, you, you guys' biggest impressions coming out of the weekend. Some of them we may expand on with some extra thoughts. Others we'll just read if they're short and to the point. But Pirate Nation was hot after the big – You know, we took the comments after the loss to UNC. Uh, we got to do it after the win as well. We, we, we got to do it equally, you know? Yeah, we do. It's nice when the Pirate Nation is positive. Yeah. And, and it's, we get we got to let them speak their positive mind as well as uh, vent when the Pirates don't play as well. Absolutely. We got some uh, comments rolling in on, on Facebook and YouTube as well, so we'll get to those here shortly. Uh, let's start on Twitter. Philip. I'll let you run a couple down as we uh, get, the, get this thing rolling. So the first one we have is from ECU Pirate Nation, and they just said the comeback went – or sorry, I should read the actual question first. The question you asked is what impressed you about ECU's sweep of Cincinnati? That was the initial Twitter question from Stephen, and ECU Pirate Nation said just the comeback win so on, on that sunday win yeah i mean it's hard to argue with that right no it definitely is and anytime you can win a baseball game is a big thing especially when you can come from behind it just shows the tenacity of the team so great job from the pirates and then uh i guess we've got to throw this guy on there because uh we, you know he signs our paychecks but uh hank hinton said the emergence of a bullpen ace and going six and zero versus any team is an accomplishment yeah, we talked about Wyatt Shinkman, and you know, you, you knew going into Sunday because he had not thrown Friday and Saturday. That was the biggest positive, Philip, of winning the way they did. Friday, you won 9-3. Saturday was close for a while, but then they pulled away, got the 11-3 victory. Really, you know, Justin Wilcox with the Grand Slam really put it on ice, but you were able to save the biggest bullet in your bullpen chamber, and that is Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman. And you knew he was going to come in early at the first sign of trouble. I don't think anybody thought he would go five innings. Uh, but, man, his numbers on the season now, 37 innings pitched, 34 strikeouts, seven walks. And the biggest thing is, man, he just he comes right at opposing hitters. So, yeah, they're going to swing early. They know the fastball is coming. But if you don't hit it, you don't square it up, you're going to get out quickly. I think the, the Cincinnati bottom of the 10th was a four-pitch inning. So they were trying to yep. go up there hacking, and it didn't exactly work out. You know, and what I like, too, about saving Shankman for Sunday, you mentioned he was going to come in in the first sign of trouble. But the fact that we knew Sunday was the day we were going to get the least amount of innings out of our star with Trey Savage coming off his injury. So it was so important that we could save him for the game in which you knew, hey, our star is going to throw the least amount of innings compared to the other two days. And uh, Hank also mentioned 6-0 against Cincinnati. Definitely a big accomplishment. Now 12 in a row dating back to last year Cincinnati actually won the first game of last year that was another point when Pirate Nation was freaking out uh, since that loss in Cincinnati ECU has not lost to the Bearcats and may may be the final time they play ever before the Bearcats go to the Big 12 we could see them again in the conference tournament though so uh 12 and 0 though that's a big time against anybody we'll continue on now with uh, a few further comments all right um Bubba Rosenbaum said Luke Nowak's nine pitch at bat where he fouled off four pitches, then tied it on a 4-3 ground out in the top of the eighth inning. That was a crucial at bat because I believe at the time Cincinnati had one of its right-handed relievers, name escapes me, but he was similar to Shinkman. He was mowing down ECU. They took him out. They put in Alex Shea, a hard-throwing lefty who's got a little bit of control issues, but uh, it was a tough matchup for Nowak with a guy on third, one out. We've seen it so many times. Got to put the ball in play there. You get down in the count, 
Nowak's up there fighting, doing his best. If you if you strike out there, it's such a momentum swing because Cincinnati has all the momentum. Instead, Nowak puts it in play, hits it pretty good to second base. They had the infield back. They were conceding the run. You know, that play kind of gets overlooked because then we look so much at Shankman and Jacob Jenkins Cowart's go-ahead single the, the in the 10th. But I thought Luke Nowak had a couple of the best quality at bats, even though he didn't get a hit in either of his RBI ground outs during the game just to get those runs in. Yeah, it's always important. You get a guy to third, you got to score. Got to get him in. And that was something the Pirates did really good all weekend. Uh, let's see, they were uh, they hit 392 with runners in scoring position. So I think that was really big for the Pirates. That's, that's pretty solid. And that's even counting a couple of, like like we said, outs from Nowak. So uh, against Cincinnati, we, we talked about it, I, I believe, on Friday's show. Not a good pitching team, but ECU you still got to go out and execute. You still got to either A, work the walks, getting good accounts, and if you're getting bad accounts, you got to put the ball in play. And ECU just did that all weekend. Outside of really kind of a low in game three, it was a really good weekend offensively. Well, only struck out 13 times. That was big. That's, that's big time because at the rate ECU staff goes, they strike out almost that many per game at times. So uh, it just shows you how good ECU's offense can be. Yep, and moving on now, William Linden, Landon excuse me, said, much better approach at the plate and the ability to beat an inferior competition on the road. And that's the thing, too, is you know we, we kind of look at this series and we're like, all right, ECU, they're going to go out, they're going to take care of business. This was kind of getting back to ECU baseball, like just playing their brand of baseball, home or away, neutral site, whatever. For whatever reason, they just didn't seem as comfortable at Houston and Wichita and even in some of the midweek road games. And again, most of the teams they've played at this point on the road are good teams. That has a lot to do with it, but it just felt like they were comfortable today or this weekend. I don't know if that was a you know, a byproduct of playing Cincinnati or what, but they just got back to playing their style, which resulted in, in just that happening. Yep, no, I definitely agree. It was back to the pirate baseball we all know and love. So moving on here, Pirate Bob 81 says, sweeping the weekend on the road and the turf. Getting ready to make a big end of the season and a push for a national seed. Any win on a turf field is a big win in my book. I've seen ECU, not only baseball, but football, struggle mightily on the turf over the course of its history. Of course, ECU has the all-natural grass facilities at East Carolina. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium is is natural grass. Uh, Joey Perry does a phenomenal job with that and the Clark LeClaire Stadium grass. But it just seems like when they go on the road to those turf venues, it creates issues. It just didn't seem like it had a big impact on this this past weekend's games, though. No, it definitely didn't. And I can't imagine. I was fortunate enough I never had to play baseball on turf, but I feel like that is the one sport that would probably affect you the most, the surface being different. Just the ball coming off, it's got to be weird. Yeah, defensively and pitching. Imagine going from pitching on actual dirt to pitching on turf. Yeah, especially your landing spot. I feel like I'd slip. Just not natural. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh... Charles, sorry if I'm saying this wrong, uh, I think it's Sal- Salazay? Salazay? Uh, we'll just gr- go with Charles S. Charles S. There you go, yeah. The gritty Game 3 win and the coaching moves Coach Godwin made late in the game. Yeah, one of the more overlooked aspects of the game, I thought, was Riley Johnson coming in to pinch run. I can't remember who had – I guess it was Josh Moylan who had the walk, and they pinch run Johnson. He advances the second on the wild pitch dirt ball read. You know, maybe Josh Mullen doesn't get there and then advances the third on Jacob Jenkins Cowart fly out. That speed comes into play because then that comes home to score on No Walks ground out. And then Johnson ended up having the the, the double in the tenth, 
which set the table for Jacob Jenkins Cowart RBI single. And I'm sure there's other moves I'm thinking about, but uh, there was a lot of moves made for speed purposes or sometimes, or defensive purposes, or sometimes the fans will be like, why are we doing this You know, at this point in the game? Well, those turned out to be the right call, definitely, and, and played a major role in, in ECU finishing the sweep. No, I agree. And just the way he manages bullpen, especially having two yeah. staff days. I mean, I guess Friday's not totally a staff day, but you know that Root's not going to get six innings. turned so. into one, and I guess yeah. last year's experiences paid off because every, every game was a staff day last year. Yeah. So, no, definitely heck of a job by Coach Godwin this week. So, moving on, now uh, David Leak says he had four things. One, early offense. Two, more quality ABs. Three, the fight shown in game three. And four, quality pitching from the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with any of that. We've kind of touched on a little bit. And I do think, you know, the third point, the fight shown in game three, part of that goes back to – ECU baseball being ECU baseball, like Cliff Goblin's teams are always going to fight. But it just seems like, you know, we've seen the team on the road specifically hang in a lot of games like that. But to find a way to win one like that, I think says a lot. I think it'll do a lot for their confidence moving forward because they've suffered some tough one-run losses on the road. Of course, they had the win at UNC earlier this year and come from behind fashion. But it has been a while since they, they finished one. You know, they lost a game similar to that at Campbell. They lost a game similar to that in Fayetteville against Campbell. So it was good to see them find a way to win. And just the difference, which we'll get into later, the difference between sweeping and winning two of three against what's really a subpar opponent on the road does a, it's a huge difference in your RPI and in the conference standings, which we'll talk about at the end of the show in terms of the conference championship race. Yeah, most definitely. And East Carolina moved, uh, improved to 8-6 and six now in one-run games on the season. But as you mentioned, Stephen, a lot of those six losses coming on the road. So big for us to get that win there, I think, yesterday. All right, and then we move on to Adam McMunn, who said, was impressed with the way they played at the end of Game 3, especially the fifth and sixth runs. Great use of the subs to get speed into the game. Kudos, Cliff, with a uh, little clapping emoji. We touched, we touched on that earlier. We saw Nate Chrisman running. We saw Riley Johnson. Uh, a lot of subs. Uh, I think Cunningham at one point even came in, either for defensive or, or running purposes. So a lot of subs that paid off. Here is a very interesting point, maybe the most interesting comment I've seen so far. It's uh, – from Rohan Patel, and he says, "Loved the effort. Loved the effort. Excuse me. Almost makes me think this team needs, in all capitals, to be backed into a corner to perform. If they're not mad about the weekend before, they play flat." You know, interesting observation, Rohan. I feel like it's, you know, maybe there's something to that. Uh, we, we did see on Sunday, and Cliff Goblin even said it. You can hear him in his entirety on the Patrick Johnson show later today uh, in, in the weekly interview on Monday at 5 o'clock. Check that out. But he kind of said he thought the team was flat in Game 3. Maybe that was a result of being a little comfortable. You know, I do think ECU historically, no matter the sport, but definitely baseball where they've had a lot of success, if they can find a way to keep that chip on their shoulder, that is when they play their best. I don't know if they have to be mad maybe doubted but look you're playing for a championship every time out at this point i mean every game matters ecu is going to probably have to go at minimum five and one in conference play just to give themselves a shot down the stretch here to win the league and again we'll get into more of that later but if you can't get motivated for that and a chance to win another regular season championship then you know i don't know i think you're in the wrong sport so maybe there's something to that rohan but i feel like now that exams are over maybe we'll see that you know take care of itself yeah, hopefully it definitely will, and uh, 
Only time will tell. But I definitely think this team has proved that they can play when going gets tough. But also, I mean, not that it's the exact same team, but last year you saw the 20-game win streak. So they can feed off. And Coach Godwin even told us, or maybe it was – yeah, it was us last week when yeah. I was on with you that this team is very streaky, especially when it comes to hitting. So I think we've got time for one more comment before we take it to break. And uh, Ryan Cole says, came out and won on turf. It looked like the team that we know we are. Bullpen back to the starting pitching, and the offense showed up and responded when needed. We have been okay at Cincy in the past, so coming in and leaving with a sweep is huge. Yeah, the, and again, the the difference between two of three and, and three of three in Cincinnati, we got to remember, was only one game behind ECU entering the weekend. So they looked at this series as a chance. Hey, if we go out there and we win the series or we even sweep it, we could be right back in the mix for the conference championship. So uh, you had a motivated Cincinnati team, and ECU went to their house and took it to them, and I think that says it all. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just – you know, honestly, very impressed with what I saw this weekend from ECU across the board. All right, we got to get to Shane Carden here in a few minutes, so we're going to take a break. We'll get to the rest of these comments. We also got a few on YouTube. Uh, somebody wants to know about who's uh, potentially hitting the portal, who's left the roster, and also wants an injury update. We'll get to those, Zach and William, on YouTube. Again, keep your questions coming on YouTube and Facebook. On the other side, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some Pirate football. We'll visit with ECU legendary quarterback Shane Carden. He'll join us on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll be right back. Do you ever need everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics? This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the program. We're rolling right along. Hoist the colors on 94.3 The Game. We talked about ECU baseball's three-game sweep of Cincinnati in our opening segment. We'll get to more of your comments here shortly. We're going to talk some Pirate football right now. Let's head out to the live line, visit with one of the guys who I've enjoyed covering the most. He is Shane Carden. Shane, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Absolutely, Shane. I, I got it. I got to give you some ribbon at first, man. This is the first time we've talked in your post-playing career where you're no longer the all-time leader in passing yards. Does that <laughs> does that hurt a little bit? <laughs> no, I think I'm doing okay, man. Uh, you know, when I was there, got to finally really spend a little time with, of course, the guy who broke it. And, uh, you know, it's awesome when someone if someone's going to break your record right someone everyone wants their records to stand forever but for at least someone that to break it was a guy that uh you know i really enjoyed spending time with and uh he was a great you know ambassador for the team the program and uh, the school so um, that definitely makes it easier shane carden coming to us live from from idaho and shane let's talk about your trip back to to greenville and uh i guess the, the trip had to go pretty good. The real question is, are you going to be allowed back? Because it was by far the worst performance in a couple of years. You came for the Houston game, which uh, ECU barely even scored. I think they lost 42-3. to Yeah. Um, you know, at halftime, I was already a little worried that things weren't going well. And kept saying they at least got to get – if it's a shutout, I'm definitely not invited back. Um, and so at least there's some points on our, on our side. But – no, it was, it was definitely tough to watch, um, especially, you know, being growing up and playing high school in Houston. I always love uh, when our teams, you know, whether especially whether it's football, but, you know, even baseball and stuff, when we're playing Houston and we beat them. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough, tough game to watch. Everything outside of that 
time frame of the game. Uh, absolute blast. Great being back. Uh, facilities were, like, just look amazing. Uh, first time seeing them since the upgrade. And, uh, you know, first time really getting to talk with uh, Coach Houston. And just, yeah, all of it was just very impressed with, with how everything looked. Um, like I said, everything was great outside that uh, time frame of the game. Yeah, take us through the, the trip. I believe you, you brought your uh, your wife down as well. You know, what does she think of it? How, how long did you get to spend in town? Because, listen, when you're, when you're staying out in, in the Midwest, like in Idaho, it's not easy to get to Greenville, North Carolina. I know you probably want to get back a little sooner. You're, you're selling real estate. You're coaching high school football, which we'll get into. But um, did, did ECU roll out the red carpet for you guys? I mean, it was great. And, uh, you know, it, it just felt like uh, they didn't really have to roll out the red carpet. You know, I just came in. It was it was relaxed. It felt like being home, unlike the last time I was there. And they were so, uh, you know, nice about, you know, just being available for me to talk to. You know, they had people set up to kind of show me the facilities. Uh, my good buddy Bryce Williams was there. And I just said, well, I think Bryce knows where everything is. So they said, yeah, sure, Bryce, take him around. So it was all good. Um, you know, flying out, it was, you know, we had everything set up. I had, of course, a bunch of flight problems. I ended up having to fly into Charlotte, drive four hours. And uh, I had to drive back to Charlotte. That was a little harder drive on the way home after a fun weekend there. Um, definitely fully realizing I can I cannot fully hang like I used to in Greenville. Um, so I'll have to remember that on my next trip. Um, but no, I mean, just such a good time there. And, you know, we even got to take a practice ball. Me and Bryce got to throw a little bit on the game field, which was, uh, you know, definitely, definitely special um, and something my wife really, really appreciated. We're visiting with former ECU quarterback Shane Carden. Yeah, how how was the tailgating experience? I'm sure everybody was was trying to offer you some free pirate beverages, but uh, <laughs> did you have the courage to tell anybody no? <laughs> it's so hard to say no. Uh, it really is, and it's just being there, I was so excited. And again, I, I hadn't seen the whole new side of the stadium and the whole you know side where it, is, uh, where it used to just be a grass, dirt, rock lot where I used to park my car for practice, and now in this great looking uh tailgate facility and uh you know it was definitely hard to say no and you know we kind of joked it was like yeah it's like you go to sup dogs and a lot of the co- college kids just have no idea who i am and then you get the uh you know the older fans running right up to me so it was, it was kind of a funny mix um but just you know i had ran to someone who, who really wanted me to meet their kid whose name was Carden. got to talk with uh them and the kid uh for a long time and no, it's, it's always special, and uh, it was really cool, um, like I said, just to have my wife there and get her to kind of see the, the place that had you know, given me so much and, and get her to experience um, kind of a bit of my world. All right, so how's life in, in Idaho treating you? I know you're, you know you're still doing the real estate thing, and, and you guys made the playoffs this past year at, at Wood River High School, I believe the first time since you took the head coaching job. So uh, how, how are things going out there? Yeah, it's great, you know. Um, with everything going on in the real estate world across the country, it's, it's definitely time to grind, but it's wild how much, you know, you learn from college athletics, how much that carries over to, uh, you know, the business world and just kind of when times get a little tough, you got to, you got to put your nose down you got to, you got to push through it and work hard. Um, nothing's really given to you and that's something, you know, you, you hear all these coachings in, in business and all these different terms that people use. And um, it's just like stuff that you've heard so many times over and over again. Um, or at least I know I did, you know, going through ECU and then kind of threw on that. Uh, but it's great. And then be able to share that, share these experiences and kind of this uh, work mentality with the kids. And, yeah, first time our uh, high school made, made it to the playoffs in six years and had a close one. Uh, got to drive up 
eight hours in a bus ride to Bonners Ferry, Idaho, which is about 30 minutes from the border of Canada, um, and got experience as an overnight trip with these group, this group that was uh, my my freshman group, my first year as a head coach. So something really special. Um, I got two kids going to play college, uh, quarterback and receiver. So obviously two kids that I spent a lot of time with, the quarterback especially. So, you know, man, it's just it's great. You get to give back, and that, and that's really what you know. This is all about getting into coaching is you know the experiences that I was fortunate enough to have, you know, to share those and and help these kids, you know, experience it and have them learn some lessons along the way. Shane, I know you're a big fan of what Coach Houston has done at East Carolina. When you you know got the chance to really meet him in person when you came to Greenville, did you you try and pick up any pointers or what? What were those conversations like getting the chance to be around him for the first time? Well, I mean, I told him, I was like, man, I'm watching you rebuild this program. I want you to know I've been stealing a lot of your stuff, which as you get into coaching, I mean, that's what a lot of it is, right? You take apart, you know, other coaches, what you like about what they're doing, whether that's scheme-wise or just the way they're talking. And, um, you know, I told him that and he laughed. But the biggest thing I took away, man, is like I got into his office and I, I was immediately fired up. You know, just being around him, I just felt this energy from him that, I mean, I was already excited enough to be in there. And then Holton walked in and there was like, I was almost ready to put a helmet on and go play or do something, man. Just talking to Mike, he just felt the energy and how excited he was um, to be there. And he, I, you know, he wasn't coaching uh, there when I was there, obviously, and uh, first time meeting him. But he was so appreciative of me being there. And um, yeah, just such a good, um, you know, I don't know what the right word is for it, but uh, just I, I think energy. It really is. It's just the way he kind of held himself and talked to me and. Um, just like I can't, I'm sure those guys playing for me just reminds me a lot actually of Russ. I walk in his office, man, and he, he would just light up, you know, he just light up when we could start talking and you feel energy immediately that you'd be almost more energized when you left the office than you were when you walked in. Um, and that's something that, you know, I think it's hard to grasp as a coach because sometimes you just have or you don't. Sometimes you need to work on it. But, you know, I think Ruff and Mike are guys that just kind of have that people, you know, kind of uh, surround themselves and want to be around people like that. And talking with Holton Aylers, too, he said he was a guy, or you were a guy he grew up watching, and I know that y'all uh, had the chance to sit down as well. We talked about, obviously, him surpassing your records. He, of course, had a little more time than, than you did, a little more game action, but j- just what was it like catching up with him and, and really getting the chance to know Holton, who's now on his journey, you know, to, to hopefully play professionally as well? Yeah, I mean, you kind of... You're right. We all see, especially for me, you know, these coaches or players that I've had the opportunity to meet, but the way they're handling everything, just you really appreciate it. But when you really actually get to meet someone, right, you really truly see who they are. You know, people can put on this or that for a certain amount of time, but when you meet someone, you, you can get a good feel for who they are and just really getting to see that Holton, you know, is that genuine person, um, you know, does have that absolute love uh, for ECU. I don't think anyone question that, but just you know, seeing like what a guy he's been and a guy that, you know, I, I felt, you know, he was very respectful of me and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So a lot of mutual respect, um, you know, and I got to talk to his parents a bit on the field before the game and just what nice people, and you know, they were very appreciative of, of, of me and what I was doing. And I was just said, you know, you guys raised, you know, just, just a great young man. And um, I'm sure they're excited about his journey now as he gets over to the Seattle and, um, because that's definitely a tough journey now as an undrafted free agent. You know, I got to experience that, and um, but I know he's going to do a great job, man. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun journey. We're visiting with Shane Carden, former East Carolina cornerback, and Shane, we, we've you know we've looked at your career a lot in the past, and I wanted to ask you, 
not about the 70 point North Carolina games. I know you've answered plenty of questions about that. Um, <laughs> look, I've covered a lot of road games. I think the the one that sticks in my mind the most was the Virginia Tech game in 2014. I think that was a few weeks before y'all y'all won against North Carolina at home. What, what do you remember about that game? Because y'all were dominating early, and I just remember going down to the field for the last drive. It was so loud, and y'all were able to to, to go to overcome that adversity, go down and score the game, win a touchdown to beat the Hokies, who had just knocked off Ohio State on the road a week a week earlier. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember that game, like the first that first half we really had, we were rolling, felt good, and then uh, you know we got kind of got hit and got out of sync and just couldn't go. We had a few mistakes on our end, and things just got kind of out of whack. And then all of a sudden it was tied, and it was just like right before the drive, I was like no way, no way we're letting this happen. Um, and I do remember that first play because we were kind of backed up against that. Uh, I don't know if it was a student section, but pretty close um, in our own end zone. I remember making a line protection slide and uh, making the check at the line. And, I, you know, I step up a few feet to make the call. My center turns around and just points his hand up like, like he can't hear me. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. And I'm like a yard away from him. So then I have to go to each individual lineman as loud as I can yell, get that, get the playoff barely. Um, and then I remember uh, Dan Worthy almost scoring on that dig route when then JT Boy comes running in about frozen in the end zone. <laughs> Um, and then we called the QB sneak, got it, but they were, I think they were offside or something happened. I forget the penalty. And then it put us even closer. And, uh, as you know, we're obviously going to go for it again. I'm just looking at kind of what they did that last time. They all crashed in. Um, and I was able just to skip to the side and <laughs> walk in. And it was funny. I celebrated with Riley on the sideline. He goes, dude, I, he's like, I was almost called time out to tell you to do that. So, you know, that kind of also speaks on where, where me and him were at that point where we just kind of knew exactly what each other were thinking and, you know, just be able to get that done. And talking ahead in the summer, we talked about that was that was his favorite game, um, you know, while he was coaching me and ECU. And it's hard it's hard not to have that as one of our favorites. Just the everything, right, to have that explosive come out, that on fire, get in a rut, but then be that mentally tough to come back and score when you needed to to win the game. Yeah, and, and just about the toughest environment, you know, ECU has, has played in for sure. And, um, you know, looking back, even even at the 2013 game at North Carolina, I remember, I don't want to, I don't know if there were doubters or what the right word is, but even about Lincoln Riley and, and your you guys' offense, hey, can they score against ACC teams, that sort of stuff. Do you kind of remember that going into that, that, that game in Chapel Hill where you guys, I think, ended up scoring 55? And that was kind of really the, the, the tipping off point to where the offense really took off. Yeah, I mean, we kind of felt it at the end of the, last, the season before. We had a couple games in a row. Like, at like Houston came to us. Memphis came. We got rolling. Um, you know, Marshall, that last game was good. Bowl game was a bit off. Then we go and play um, Old Dominion to start it. We we played at home against Virginia Tech and didn't play very well. Didn't score many points. And we had a bye week before North Carolina, and that was a lot of people just saying a lot of bad things about myself and Lincoln and this and that, and it was kind of just this thing of like, yeah, everyone was pretty, everyone was pretty pissed off in that locker room, um, ready to prove, you know, absolutely everyone wrong. Um, and yeah, that that game going up there, that that game that year, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, my last year, and then that Houston game, my first year, you know, for personal reasons, for Houston coming up, you know, we weren't all eligible. There was plenty of talk that year about, you know, myself and the coaching, this and that, and. You know, that was able to get us bowl eligible, and we smoked them pretty good. And 
Um, you know, games like that, you remember that more of those, hey, they, they weren't believing us at this point. It was kind of just, hey, we got to get in the locker room. It's all about us and, and get things, some, some great things done. So you finish up your, your time at ECU, obviously, and you you got to be one of the few guys, Shane, to go NFL, German Football League, CFL, and Arena Football League, uh, all in the span of, what, two years? Yeah, I think it was about two and a half years because the way they all kind of synced out, like I got back from Germany, was here for two days, flew to Canada, was trying to figure out if my phone was going to work. Yeah, it was a whirlwind, and uh, I joke about now with some of uh, my other coaches and and the players that just, you know, I got to try all the leagues at the time. Um, but, you know, if there was XFL or USFL, you know, I probably would have given it a shot, um, gave one of them a shot at least. And then, uh, you know, there was one of those leagues that popped up kind of like a half year after I got done with the arena league. I had a few coaches call, but, you know, at that point I, I kind of made my decision that, you know, I was ready to, to move on to the next thing in my life. So you spent some time, obviously, in the German Football League. It was you and Rocco Scarfone, right? Correct. So I'm looking at the numbers here. Wikipedia, I assume it's right. Uh, 3,200 <laughs> yards, 36 touchdowns, 13 picks. Um, that's pretty good Pretty good numbers, man. Uh, just take us through that time. Like, What was it like to just be living in Germany, playing pro football, and having some fun, I assume? Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you're playing – at a high level, any sport, you know, it's going to take you away from experiences. You know, you talk about, you hear a lot about, hey, you got to sacrifice some things for doing that. You know, me and Rocco had, had not been to Europe. We hadn't traveled. I mean, I hadn't traveled that much at that point. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, you always were focused on what you're trying to get done and your goals. And, and so, in a way, that had taken us away or, you know, from getting those opportunities. And it was finally like, okay, now this is going to give us the opportunity to go do this. And, uh, you know, being around those guys who just absolutely love the game. Um, but in that league, like the, the the difference between teams that had a lot of money and didn't, uh, it was pretty pretty eye opening. Um, you know, like some of the European sports over there, and we were kind of right there in the middle where you know we had a nice stadium to play in, our practice field was okay, but we'd go play. You know, teams that were just kind of add-ons from the old uh, NFL Europe, uh, like the Frankfurt Galaxy. And uh, they had a great following, huge, like a pretty good stadium, filled up, nice uniforms. They had kind of these rules where they kind of got away with having more players there. Um, and then you'd go play in this old rundown stadium that was maybe 100 yards, the main field, you know, maybe 53 yards wide. So it was kind of like, all right, this isn't quite the right <laughs> size, but um, just an absolute blast, a great experience. Um, and, yeah, getting Rocco on the off that, I was like, man, we could have been doing this for a lot longer. <laughs> that's awesome, man. It sounds like you're having a ball, and that, that's the best part about it. Obviously, playing the game you love as well, experiencing different culture and everything. Uh, so, all right, so Shane, are you trying to talk the wife into a return trip to Greenville for this coming year? Uh, I know that the schedule is out. We don't have maybe the times yet, but uh, any thoughts about that or a road trip? If they won't let you back to Greenville, are you going to go see the Pirates on the road? <laughs> Well, maybe this time I'll just sneak in and let not let everyone know I'm coming. Maybe that's the way I have to do it now. Um, but no, I got I got a timeout. You know, with our season, um, figure out the, the best game to come. It's always going to have to be right now. That kind of end of uh, November, early November game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to sneak in either way. We just won't let anyone know unless they win, and then I can say I was there um, that way. Yeah, no fanfare this time. We'll, we'll keep it on the DL. <laughs> 
Uh, but Shane, hey, this was awesome, man. I appreciate you taking some time in the in the middle of your day and everything to catch up on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. And I know Pirate Nation always loves hearing from you, getting updates from you. So we appreciate it, man. And uh, keep it rolling out there in Idaho. Keep representing Pirate Nation. I appreciate it, Stephen, and I always do, man. Whether it's on my golf bag or wearing EC around town, I'm always repping. Don't worry about that. That's Shane Carden, ECU quarterback legend. I'm sure we'll have him again later down the road on the program, but always great to visit with Shane Carden. All right, on the other side, we'll switch gears back to baseball. We got more of your comments to read. We're also going to talk about the postseason picture, where ECU stands as things sit. Currently, are they back in the hosting picture? Could we see the Pirates potentially hoist another conference championship trophy at the end of the regular season? We'll get into all that on the baseball front. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, we're back on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Really enjoy catching up with Shane Card, man. He is a class act. He was uh, he was in school back when I was in school and started Hoist the Colors, and so it's always good to catch up with Shane. Got to know him well. Obviously covered him in college, and um, great interview. Obviously, Philip. He, yep. he uh, was all, still amazes me that he was, you know, NFL Germany. Canadian Football League, Arena League. like In a two-year span, he covered it all. Yeah, so that's sure. the, that's the dream. Um, all right, let's get back to some baseball here. We had a couple questions on YouTube I want to get to before we, uh, we, we move on with our discussion. Zach Griffin, he asked, I believe Cliff Goblin said some players have hit the portal. Any idea who those players were? So, yeah, Cliff Goblin said he joined us last Tuesday. I don't know if he said the players hit the portal, but he said that some guys have left the program. Uh, those guys have been removed from the online roster. They are pitcher Mason Smith, uh, corner infielder outfitter Colby Thorndike, and first base designated here third baseman Cam Burgess. Those three guys are freshmen. Uh, they've been removed from the online roster. They, they've left the team. I don't know exactly why they, they opted to leave the team. This is the time of year I do know where you know the semester's coming to an end, Philip. You've got – you know, you got to remember, you only have 11.7 scholarships with baseball, and you have to spread that over 27 guys. You got a 35 man roster. So, you know, sometimes you have those hard conversations towards the end of a semester. Guys don't like it, they just choose to leave. Any top baseball program in America kind of goes through that. So, I think that's what we're kind of sure. seeing now. No, you definitely do. And, it, you know, it, it stinks when you've, you know, put in all the time recruiting these guys to just see them, you know, leave but like you said like i think god went even said i can't remember if it was on this show or was on patrick's show where it was like you know a lot of it was mutual we sat down like you said we had those tough conversations and i even remember him saying that uh, i think one of the guys kind of stood up in the locker room and said hey you know what if you know if you're not you don't want to be here you know we There's understand door, so yeah. yeah so you know it is what it is at this point of the year and like you said it's when you got 35 guys and only 27 of them can have any part of a scholarship and they know who's coming in next year sometimes those are the decisions that have to be made Look, and you got guys who have left the program who weren't going to play a lot here, who went on to have success elsewhere, like C.J. Boyce having a really good year for App State. He probably wasn't going to play a lot here. Um, there, there's several other cases that you got guys leave who don't have success elsewhere. So uh, this is just part of college athletics now, whether it's ECU baseball, whether it's ECU basketball, ECU football, et cetera. So um, it's just one of the things 
college coaches have to deal with. Also, you look at next year's recruiting class for baseball, there's a ton of incoming guys, not too many guys leaving. So you only have room for so many guys on the roster. You got to figure something out. Um, William Landon says, can we get an injury update for the baseball team? You know, right now we, we know that there's some guys who are dealing with injuries who are kind of playing through them. You know, Ryan McChrystal has a broken finger. He's also had an ongoing back deal. He was in the lineup all three times this weekend. Phillip, I thought he looked, you know, solid, hit the ball hard a couple times, had a couple of hits, I think a double and a single the other way, and then hit the ball hard to deep center field one game. So he seems to be getting back into the swing of things. I don't know if he'll be 100%. By the end of the year, uh, it just sounds like he's gonna, it's going to have to be something he manages. And then we saw Trey Savage. Well, I guess we didn't see him because the stream wasn't working because no, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, uh, no electricity. All reports, though, we listened to Scooter on 94.3 of the game. He was at 94, 95 miles an hour. He only threw the one inning, but it was good to see Trey back, and it sounds like they're going to work his pitch count up in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, and also the nice thing is, you know, one inning doesn't sound like a lot, but he did throw 27 pitches. Obviously, you'd like to see his pitch count a little lower for one inning, but he got to see a handful of different batters, really got to, you know, throw different pitches. Like I said, he got his velocity up to where you'd like to see it. So I think it was just good to see him back, and I'm glad that Coach brought him in to start the game, too, instead of throwing him in in maybe a weird situation late in the game, has a pitch in a couple weeks. So I like that he threw that first inning. And really, now you look at it, Wichita State, he didn't throw a lot. Tulane obviously had the week off. This one only throws 33 pitches. So he's had three weeks to kind of recover, at least in terms of workload. Now you have two more regular season games to work his pitch count up. And then you got the conference tournament. Hopefully all three of those go well. And then you come regional time, he's probably near 100 pitches or so. And, and you're able to kind of cut him loose for the postseason. That's kind of how they map it out. And it looks pretty good. It looks like it's trending in that direction for now. I know we had at least one more comment on Twitter we wanted to get to, Philip. Yeah, we did. It was from Austin Voss. He said, timely hitting. Uh, we have struggled to get the hit when it matters, but that was not the case this weekend. He's Then this is kind of the part we were going to talk about. Uh said, I also think this fan base gets too low when the team loses and too high when they win. No. Cincinnati is a bad <laughs> team, and it won't mean much if this team do- this doesn't lead to momentum this week. So I, I, I'll say this. I don't think Cincinnati is a terrible team. I do, I do think ECU – did what they should do against Cincinnati specifically doing on the road makes it more impressive but I think it's a fair point ECU for the most part this year has beaten the teams they should beat and you know have played around maybe 500 ball against the the upper echelon teams on their schedule you look at it on warrennolan.com ECU four and five against top 50 competition 11 and 8 51 through 100 and then 19 and 1 against teams below 100 so they've dominated the bad teams on their schedule and they've played around 500 ball versus the top 100 teams so there's a fair point there and really to be honest Philip, there's not going to be too many opportunities in the coming weeks you got ODU which is a top 100 team RPI wise and then Campbell the other two conference teams Memphis and USF are, are below 100 so you're gonna have to do some some good work in the midweek to kind of continue to prove you know you're on the, the way up yeah for sure and you know the part here when he talks about it doesn't mean much if it doesn't lead to momentum this week I definitely agree with that kind of going into an away game against ODU and uh, I don't know if I totally agree with it going into the weekend because we have been good at home and if we don't play good at home it just means 
it's a bad home week. But what I think this went meant winning this weekend meant, and I kind of brought it up earlier, is the fact this team proved to themselves we can finally go out there and win on the road. Because like I said, I think top eight seed is is long gone at this point, and you, hopefully it carries over into next week more against South Florida in another conference on the final conference road weekend. We'll get into more of the hosting picture and the championship talk on the other side. We got to get to our final break. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. In our banks media. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. <laughs> well done. Producer Clark Willis delivering it. Uh, on the uh, behind the glass, Clark, I still got to give you your homework, man. What's my homework? See, I had Shane Carden on the program. I was going to give you your homework to look up the the program's all time leading passer for quarterbacks, which is is now Holton Aylers. That's right. Used I, to be Shane Carden. Learn something new every day. So I'm going to give you a little <laughs> stat each Friday. I just forgot to do it last week. That way we can indoctrinate you into the ECU Pirate. Uh, what happens if I get it wrong? That's what I'm worried about. If you get it wrong, you're gonna <laughs> we're, to, we're never going to let you let it down. Yeah, we're going to have to maroon you. You're going like to walk a, the plank. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, welcome back in to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 of the game. Thanks again to Clark for producing. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, as we we got to talk about the championship picture, Philip, because we got to do that before time runs out. ECU suddenly back in the hosting picture, potentially back into the conference title race, and they really needed a sweep to keep pace because Houston – Won the first two games against Wichita State to take over full sole possession of first place, and then the third game was canceled. They're now at twelve and five in the league. ECU at twelve and six. Pirates a half game back with six games remaining. So uh, ECU, I should I should give the opponents. ECU takes on Memphis at home, and then at USF, Houston goes to Tulane this weekend, and then wraps up against Cincinnati at home. So I would say both teams have a pretty favorable schedule. Yeah. What do you feel like ECU has to do in these final six games to give themselves a shot? As tough as it sounds, I think you got to win out. I mean, thinking that Houston is going to go out there and lose twice is kind of out of the realm. I'm not saying they can't, but like I said, Cincinnati's at home. Tulane's just been abysmal since the first weekend of the season. Yeah, so ECU has to finish a game better from this point forward than Houston. You know, the – the, pr- the good news about the cancellation is if Houston would have won, then the Pirates would have had to make up a game and a half due to the tiebreaker, which Houston has head-to-head to win the, the league outright. Yeah. But by not playing the game, that means Houston obviously doesn't get another win in the win column. So the Pirates can finish with another win uh, you know, above Houston, and so that would obviously break the tie and allow the Pirates to win another league championship. But the good news is – Tulane has not been swept all season. So I feel like if ECU finds a way to sweep Memphis at home, they're going to be sitting in a pretty good spot to come the end of this weekend. They definitely will, but like I said, you still can't then bank on Houston yeah. dropping another one at any time, especially with just how consistent they've played this year. I think you got to go at minimum 5-1. and one. If you win out, you feel really good. I don't think Houston's got the horses to win out, but they've been playing good ball. Yep. They struggled in non-conference. They've been playing really good in conference ecu again up to 22 in rpi as well so back into the hosting mix i think right potentially on the outside looking in but if they win the regular season i think they're right there and beating campbell would definitely help that's right yep another top 50 team the only top 50 team left 
in the regular season for ECU. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll be back with you tomorrow with Ryan Robinson from the Pirate Club. He'll be in studio. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunch.